Hey, folks who dance on poles, ever thought about competing but worried about judgmental pole hobbyists? Want to enter a pole competition where it's actually run by strippers? Then you'll want to consider entering Script Down, Canada's first pole competition spearheaded by sex workers. The competition is on Friday, November 3rd at the Opera House in Toronto, and we are bringing in an internationally renowned pole artist like Jordan Kensley, Kiana Walker, Tia Jax, and Tara Meyer just to run workshops and also to judge the competition. Registration for the competition ends on July 31st, and yours truly will also be judging, so get your audition videos in and we'll see you there. Hey everyone, just popping in here. Yes, you are receiving a very rare bonus episode, something that my Patreon subscribers have already received. Um, this is from a guest lecture that I did this year uh, about a month ago uh, in June at Florida State University. It's giving a talk there to their students in their human sexuality course. Um, I typically don't post any bonus episodes of any kind uh, here anymore because they're all reserved for our Patreon subscribers who are loving, lovingly paying for that uh, bonus. Um, but I screwed up and I did not bring my external hard drive with me. I am currently traveling and um, also upgrading my equipment here. If you can hear from the lovely new mic that I have. I'm going to be spending the next few weeks uh, on the road, which is why I'll be airing a few different episodes from the archive, but some gems that I'm sure you will love. But for the time being, feel free to go ahead and enjoy this guest lecture that I did um, at Florida State. Again, thank you so much, Florida State, for having me once again. I, I know you guys usually have me every every couple um a uh, couple times a year. Thank you so much, Alicia Armstrong, for reaching out and for, for always having me on your roster there for the past few years now. But for everyone else listening, this is brand new content for you. This is all about uh, dissecting sex work um, as a human rights and a labor issue from that perspective. So please enjoy and happy summer. should probably say that our that, you know that everything is in this class and in you know Florida State has their own policies and, and administration has their own um, opinions and things like that but when we when Steph um, chats with us in a minute she was on here a minute ago maybe she got booted off oh no there you are hey Steph um, but when, you know, it, this is where we're trying to get factual, factual information, right? And again, our opinions aren't facts, our beliefs aren't facts. So what we're gonna talk about today, sex work can be very much a value-laden, um, polarizing topic. But hopefully today, after you hear Steph's beautiful, really cool story um, about her journey in sex work, you'll have a very different opinion or, or, or a, a different viewpoint of things and maybe whatever value laden opinion and beliefs that you have, you can see a different side of things too. So we're very excited to have you. Thank you for being here so early in the morning too. Um, are you ready? Do you want me to make you, um, so you can share your screen with us? Yeah. Just a, let me make you 
That would be awesome. Thank you so much for having me again. Of course. I'm going to make you the, well, as a co-host, I wonder if you can share your screen. Let me, let me try. Let me try. Let's see. If you can't, I'll make you the host. Let me see if that is a possibility. Oh, looks like it is working. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, perfect. Let me just move some things over because things are right on top of my dashboard here. I'm really excited to chat with everyone today. I hope, as Alicia said, that you will have a nice takeaway here. You'll learn something new, garner a new perspective, and hopefully yes. at the end have more respect for sex workers as well <laughs> so absolutely yeah absolutely. and i'll um we uh, were just talking um before break about some of the legal um standards legal models criminalization versus partial decriminalization versus legalization and um mm. and how Canada is different, and so you might be able to speak to how Canada is different from Nevada. But I mm-hmm. did mention, I saw that you're having on your show, is it next week, the brothel owner, owner from Nevada? Right after this, actually, I'm, I'll be recording with her. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. Well, yeah. we will be excited for that episode when it comes out. For sure. Yeah. It would be really great, especially I just started really kind of chiming in on that side of things as well because um, legalization is a big topic, especially in Nevada as well. So mm-hmm. it's good to have other options and, and see what works for those folks that are over there. Um, but yeah. if you guys have any questions, feel free to also put that in the chat. And I'll be sure to ask that on air right after this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. No well, I will turn it over to you um, and let you do your presentation. We're very excited for you. Yay. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much again, Alicia, for having me to Florida State University. Again, for having me. It's just been a a really wild past couple of years, few years now that I've been doing this, once or twice a year. So it's been really great. And I'm really always happy to share my perspective, my story, my experience, my lived experience with uh, your students to just, again, give a bit of perspective um, where I'm coming from and kind of share my story. Uh, and to share a little bit of my own knowledge here uh, in the industry, because I've been in the industry for, what, 10 years now, on and off? And you will all uh, learn a little bit about my journey very, very soon. So every time I come to your class, I kind of try to tweak the presentation a bit. I've added some new things in here as well. Uh, There's always a different group of cohort of students, so um, I encourage questions. Questions are great. Engagement is awesome. Um, But I'll try to do my best in trying to see the chat whenever things pop up. But if not, we'll try to keep things till the end so I can really try to address all of y'all's questions at the end. So the topic today is dissecting sex work. It's a big topic. Um, I'm sure as you discussed last week and also a little bit of this week as well with your professor, Alicia. So it is a human rights and a labor issue. And that's kind of what I'm going to be leaning into a bit today. But you're probably wondering who I am. I did, haven't even introduced myself, but my name is Steph um, or otherwise known as Sia. I am um, the host of the Stripped by Sia podcast, which is a 
Sex Worker podcast, which is aiming to destigmatize sex work um, and to educate and humanize sex workers. So it's been pretty exciting. Um, I was nominated for an AVN award this year, which is really exciting. If you don't know what that is, that is basically the Oscars of porn or the adult industry. So that's been a huge honor um, and really, really cool and has led me to really fantastic experiences such as this some other upcoming speaking gigs that i cannot mention yet but lots of great opportunities and um has really given me um a really great way to share more about sex work to the mainstream so um, my experience in sex work is all over the place as you might be able to hear and you might know if you actually know any sex workers we like to dip our toes in many different facets and corners of the industry so my entry into sex work was being a a sugar baby and that was 10 years ago now Um, i basically got it out of a huge breakup um i this is the era of tinder back in the day when it like first began and my friends were like hey like you know i know you like older guys you should really think about maybe becoming a sugar baby you can get paid to go on dates and whatnot and i was like "Ooh, yeah getting paid to go on dates like that sounds like a great idea instead of going on dates for free so i thought that was a really cool way of making money and also a really cool way to try all the restaurants that i had always wanted to try in vancouver where i'm from um so i got into that um kind of unknowingly and really naively going into it in terms of I didn't really view it as work and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Again, very naive, very green going into it. I was like, oh yeah, we're just going to go on dates and whatnot. But I didn't really address the elephant in the room, which was most of the time, especially on this particular website that I was on before, which is called Seeking Arrangement. Um, the expectation is sex and there's a mutually beneficial agreement between your sugar daddy um, and yourself as a sugar baby. So oftentimes there's an exchange for money or maybe rent, uh, tuition, because you're all in college over here, um, whether it's for gifts, trips, etc. It is really up to what you negotiate. But again, really myself being ignorant or maybe willfully blind, maybe a mix of both, not knowing uh, that there is actually work and a ton of emotional labor that comes with this kind of work, not only physical, but yeah, I was just like, okay, cool. We're going to go get get paid. It's going to be fun. This is going to live this kind of lifestyle. You know, it's very glamorized. um, And I'm sure a lot of you might have heard about that website as well, Seeking Arrangement. and they really like, I remember back in my day, I don't know if they're still doing this now, but like they're really kind of marketing towards like college students or people that are fresh out of high school to be like, oh, come, come on the website, get paid, blah, blah, blah. So it was a real appeal for me. So for myself, um, I did that for a few years. Um, at the same time, I started pole dancing and then I wanted to get more into stripping. But again, I really had this like internalized whorephobia, which is um, a concept we'll kind of go into a little bit later on in the presentation. But I had this like inner hatred, um, maybe towards myself, but also because the work is highly stigmatized in terms of sex work is highly stigmatized. It's there's a lot there. And I wasn't sure if I really wanted to be out uh i i wanted to keep a lot of this a secret but i didn't know how to do that because especially as a a dancer it's it's very at least here it can be quite public because 
I don't know how it is in the States, but here we're, we are expected to promote where we are dancing and stuff too and like to advertise to bring your regulars in so that's kind of an expectation and I was kind of in denial like I don't know if I'm really ready for this so honestly I really started to embrace the sex work sphere I would say only like really fully getting into everything maybe just a few years ago in terms of like getting really comfortable and a few years ago I'm meaning like 2019 maybe when I really started to embrace it also around the same time that I started the show um, because I was really starting to get a better understanding of the work that is involved with this so from stripping uh, I also started camming that was pretty recently which is really exciting Um, now I'm also a really big advocate for uh, sex worker rights, um, basically for human rights. Again, title of the title of the talk today, um, because as you'll find out later on, and if you don't know already, um, we are treated a little bit differently, treated a bit unfairly than the rest of society, um, and we're we're definitely a marginalized group. So I'm definitely wanting to speak to you a little bit about that. I'll talk to you more of the stuff in a bit more detail later on. Um, but in addition to this, because I'm not only a sex worker sometimes people like to only see that label it's nice and shiny again sensationalized glamorized but i also do a fair bit amount of vanilla work or civilian work um or people that are non-industry folk so i am also a freelance marketing consultant um i do digital marketing email campaigns um i also work on instructional course design so i create a lot of e-learning courses for folks i'm also an executive director of a charity i'm a youtuber that has nothing to do with sex work at all it's a noodles channel which i just love noodles but uh, and i'm also a server i work at a hotel yay (laughs) hotel discounts are great um but that's just kind of me in a nutshell too so um for myself i really like to have a bit of balance um i've never really been the type of person to kind of put all my eggs in one basket but this is just what works for me and everyone has a different um way of going about sex work or getting into sex work for different reasons so that's just kind of me in a nutshell hello and it's nice to meet you um we'll kind of go on with this so yeah i told you a little bit about the show um stripped by sia again it started back in 2019 and that was during uh, a week at the club where i was booked as a feature entertainer and one of the clients there made a statement to me or said something to me that he probably would just say it was saying in passing but i thought it was profound and that was like the light bulb moment for me and this person said you know at least here in vancouver strippers are really fascinating people you guys all have like tens of thousands of followers on instagram i'm not one of those people but um this person also said like you guys all have lead very interesting lives and you're more than just a dancer on stage um so something along those lines and that kind of really stuck with me and i always wanted to start a podcast because i like storytelling i'm also a podcast nerd as well so um that was kind of the light bulb moment for me to be like hey like i have the ability to one bring on my friends onto the show and really provide um a really transparent view of what sex work is because i feel like a lot of people in society will have a specific or preconceived notion of what sex work might be and there's a lot of assumptions that go along with that a lot of stereotypes that go with that so i really wanted to kind of dispel the myths and really provide an accurate 
depiction of what sex work is. So that's kind of why I started the show. And for me, especially now that I've kind of been like almost four years into this, um, I really want to promote that sex work is is work and it is valid work. It is it should and is should be like recognized as a legitimate profession because we pay taxes we are contributing to society in my opinion it's an essential service sex is really important for a lot of folks so um for me it's completely valid work and again i mentioned this earlier but the objective has always been the same the mission has always been the same for the show in terms of destigmatizing sex work um and to really humanize and educate people and especially for people like yourselves who might not be in the industry or maybe you are who knows um but i really want to be able to um really again teach people something about our industry because there's so much speculation there's so much like ooh buzz around sex work because we know sex sells right but um a lot of the times our stories go untold or our stories are told for us and they're not exactly true so again that has just been that's the kind of flag that i've been waving um because i think it's really important work um and to share those uh, stories for people that might not have a voice or an opportunity to do so or a platform to do so so that's kind of where I'm at and yeah four years strong um, which has been really exciting and rewarding um, and has awarded me with a lot of fantastic experiences and opportunities to to speak and get in touch with people like yourselves so hopefully you're here with an open mind and, and willing to learn a couple things today at the end of the hour before I let you go for lunch. So, um, yeah, I always want to start off um, the presentation in terms of like, what is your definition of sex work? And I don't know if people want to pop into the chat. Um, I'm gonna, I am i don't even know if I can see the chat right now. But if people want to kind of chime in, I, I'm just really curious to hear what people's definition of sex work is because for example uh, when i'm talking with my mother um, when she hears when she hears the term sex work she automatically only only thinks that it is prostitution or full service sex work so but sex work can mean a lot of things so i'm, I'm curious and I, i'm just going to escape out of this presentation mode to see if anyone has chimed in and if not that's totally okay because i'm just going to keep going and talking today so let me i don't know if i can even see anything alicia can you see anything in your side i'm just i can't see okay. anything um i can see the chat but i can't see any responses yet but i know they have definitions of sex work because where they were supposed to do that last week oh yay perfect yeah right wasn't awesome. that right oh i see something popping up here okay cool okay here we go someone who is paid for sexual services i think it's broad i feel like it entails so many things as you stated on your first slide it covers a lot um, I would define it as anything sexual that you pay for or exchange things for. Thank you, Hannah, Jason, Daniela. Thanks for those responses. Um, yeah, you're not wrong in, in any of this. Um, do you think sex work will become safer now that... Oh, okay, Desmond, hold that thought, copy and paste that, and paste it at the end of the show. At the end of the show. Sorry, I feel like I'm recording episode. <laughs> 
save that and um, repost that maybe at the end. So I, I just don't want to, I don't want to ignore you or, or forget for later. But um, I have opinions on that for sure. But let's go mm -hmm. back to this. Um, so Thank maybe, you for participating, guys. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm definitely here for this. I'm going to close this chat. Please don't close anything else. Okay, great. So um, my definition, I'm always constantly tweaking this as well. Um, but for myself, this is how I define sex work is a type of centralized, centralized service in exchange for monetary value, affluence, status, or power. So again, it can be really broad. Like I think Daniela said, it can be really broad. Um, for me, it's not always inherently sexual for myself. So again, for my work as a cam model, for example, uh, sometimes I'm just there chatting with people and providing company to people and that to me is not inherently sexual uh, at times but of course with my work as a dancer uh, I am engaging and displaying lots of sexual eroticized movement um, of course there is like full service work there's uh, dominatrix work there's porn like a lot of the traditional things that you might hear about as well but it can really encompass a lot of things but there's usually in exchange like somebody is usually getting paid in some way or another whether that is through money whether that is through vacations like i said earlier maybe it's for status maybe they're going to be investing um in a job or something um it can mean a lot of things so again this is a really this is just what i personally think that sex work is defined for for myself but um I, i'm really glad that you guys were doing that on your homework <laughs> as well uh, and um Hopefully this is already like, you know, starting to challenge some of the ways of thinking that you already have. So, um, again, like who does it encompass? Who do you consider as sex workers? Again, like literally it could be the person next to you. It could be someone. It could be, again, it does. It can go for any age, any shape, um, you know, any kind of body and whatnot, too. So um, in the end of the day, we're all human um, and sex work is a job. So I just want to go at it that way in terms of like this is what we do for work um and it is a very very valued type of work as well so um i also like to ask uh you know how how would sex workers like to be addressed because everyone is a little bit different as well and it's never good in my opinion to have a one-size-fits-all kind of like umbrella to encompass everyone although I do sex workers as a really wide umbrella to um, cover a lot of things so again I always like to when I'm for example bringing people onto the show I always like to them I always like to ask them like how would you like to be addressed do you want to be referred to as a stripper or exotic dancer for for myself i don't like the word exotic dancer there's a lot of negative connotation with the word exotic um some people just prefer dancer same with like escort provider prostitute some people call themselves hookers like it really just depends on what they want so i've just provided a couple different examples here erotic masseuse, masseuse versus bodywork adult entertainer versus porn star there's a lot of different uh, nuances here um which I think like language is a really um, important thing too, especially if you're not in the industry. Just again, just having that notion of respect um, and wanting to kind of respect um, their profession and how they want to be addressed. So, oops, let's go into this. Oh, let's really go into this. So I kind of briefly talked about this earlier today. I won't go in too, too much detail, but I did tell you about um, three. I, I added four now. So I, again, 
little typo in my in my thing before faces and sex work so i started off as a sugar baby back in the day i was like yeah almost 10 years ago um stripping which i'm still currently doing as well content creation so stuff like only fans creating custom videos kick and fetish work uh started just before the pandemic and then uh just recently forayed into like camming on a consistent basis which is been a lot of fun um i like talking so it's it's perfect and it's like love being on camera and being an exhibitionist in that kind of way so that that's kind of my experience um and as i mentioned earlier there is a lot of people that like to kind of dip their toes um in different lines of the work um and i'll kind of speak to this i think on the next slide in terms of like because it's very accessible so um but what i've learned over I guess the past decade in the sex work is, you know, there's different ways that we can look, like look at sex work and, and it's sex workers. And I really want to look at, you know, marginalization, uh, degrees, uh, varying degrees of privilege. So when I say privilege, it's not only just by the color of your skin, but also the ability to be like face out. Some people want to be anonymous or, can only be anonymous and and have to really conceal their type of work because of the situations they might be in they might be fleeing an abusive relationship or a pimp or whatever like that so it's really uh, important to kind of understand there's like varying degrees of privilege that comes um in sex work as well um also i mentioned earlier too the title of this presentation that is also like a labor issue as well and we'll kind of go into more detail as well because you know sex workers are can or can be sorry i want to say can be um at increased risk for uh, abuse of violent situations uh, again um unfair treatment as well because people don't view us as humans or people don't really um take our professions seriously so just want to kind of plant these seeds in your heads as well to let you think about that um also learning about the power exchange between clients between sex workers between non-sex workers the community as a whole um and as i've been kind of um parading on and on for this presentation but sex work as a legitimate form of making money because it really really is so why do people choose sex work um negative stereotypes aside because again and i will just go ahead and lightly address some of these negative stereotypes but you know people thinking that we're all abused we're uh we're trafficked um you know we are all high on some kind of drug or substance abuse that this work is easy money it's not <laughs> So um, if you want to chime into the chat, you're welcome to. I think I see something. Ooh, great. Okay, I said something else, but I'll read that later. Um, but there's different reasons. Um, one, I briefly mentioned that in the last slide, but accessibility is one of them. Sex work is and can be a very um, entry-level job. You know, it's, it's very easy to set up a camera. A lot of us have a camera on our laptop, so it's really easy to sign up for um, a membership on a camming platform. Again, I mean, who, how many people know someone that started an OnlyFans back in 2020 when the pandemic hit? Like, doesn't take too long to sign up for an account for that. So it, it's a very accessible um, form of work, which is really great. And that's why there's so many of us, which is awesome. 
money. Uh, obviously, that is a major motivating factor. Of course, we all need money to live and to survive in this economy. So money is quite viable. Um, I remember I was just thinking about it the other day because I'm really trying to step back from some in-person work in my vanilla work to spend more time uh, in sex work because I was just calculating. I was like, okay, I was at work for five hours serving and I made X amount of money. And then I was like, okay, well, I was doing my show on cam and I made the same amount of money in an hour and a half. So I was like, eh, money is a great thing. Um, and it can, uh, it can be very fruitful as well. Um, so that's like another big reason why people might get into sex work. Flexibility is another thing too. It's a hugely flexible job depending on what you do and depending on uh, what area of the industry you want to go to. But a lot of us, um, including myself, I'll speak from my own personal experience is I had the flexibility to work wherever I have an internet connection. And that is really great. For example, sometimes when I'm on vacation, I'll bring my laptop with me and maybe cam for an hour or try to sell some videos, make a custom video and sell those to create some passive income while um, I'm vacationing. So I was like, let's pay for dinner tonight somehow. So um, the flexibility is really great for myself. I I really like to have that. And and similar to like working remotely, um, um, there's a lot of benefits that come with that. So flexibility to me is a very, very appealing factor. Or if you are a sex worker that has family too and just being around your family a lot more and and being accessible to them is also really, really helpful. And of course, um, we don't want to forget our survival sex workers. A lot of people do this because they don't have um, another way or maybe it it might be inaccessible for them to do other jobs um, as well. So there are a lot of, um, and this is not just talking about uh, abusive situations or anything like that, but I'm also talking about neurodivergent people, people that might be on the autism spectrum, where it's really hard for them to go into a, a very stereotypical, like a very typical nine to five job. So that can be, um, like sex work can be a really viable option for those folks, um, especially when you can kind of create your own schedule and choose to work when, when you when you can physically can and cannot. So those are just a few reasons, and I'm sure there's many other reasons as well, but those are a few things that kind of come to mind kind of right away. Um, <laughs> another myth uh, is sex work is easy. Um, again, sex workers work. So for myself, when I hear comments like that or stuff like, oh, like if I lose my job, then I'll just become a stripper or I'll just start an OnlyFans account. Um, Okay, one, with what following? (laughs) Two, where are you going to get those fans from? Three, like you have to start somewhere. There's usually a bit of an investment first when you kind of start in sex work or you have to at least do a bit of research to get into it. But a lot of people don't really see the work part of it. They might just see like, oh yeah, she's making a lot of money Um, or that's what they think they are seeing but in reality just like any job it's only going to be as fruitful if you put the work into it so for example when I'm working on my OnlyFans you're not seeing all the 
really mundane back-end work that I have to do with editing my videos, responding to all my fans, um, just setting things up and scheduling everything, a lot like watermarking my videos, removing the metadata from my videos. Like there's a lot of stuff in the back that people might not see, but people, again, if people are going into this line of work, especially with like a lot of things on TikTok being out there and be like, look at me, look how much money I made. <laughs> it's uh, It can be really dangerous. So I really try to caution people to make sure that they know the work that they are going into is is work and you have to put some effort into it. And also, um, yeah, there's a lot of safety precautions you should also take and also consider before you get into this line of work because um, especially when you're online, um, the internet is forever <laughs> so people uh should have some kind of um be prepared <laughs> do some research before getting into this work and that's also another reason for why i do the show is to help people prepare too and um to act as a resource for folks who are wanting to get into the work because again uh, i sound like a broken record now but sex work is work so fyi and i mentioned this a bit earlier too in terms of um, horror-archy and horophobia. But if this looks familiar to you, if you've ever taken a psychology class, it's very similar to uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but sex work version. So this is like, um, if you've never heard of this term, and you might not be, you might not have heard of this term if you're not in the industry, but the hierarchy, it's basically my definition in terms of um, the internalized hatred towards other sex workers from other sex workers, um, which is really dangerous because people think, oh yeah, sex workers, great. And like the community is awesome. I love the community, but there is a lot of internal turmoil sometimes that is within our community. So sometimes, um, and there's many different variations of the hierarchy depending on which kind of books uh, that you're reading. But it can be with non-contact versus in-contact work, um, how much money you make versus how much time is spent. So for this example that I just threw together here, at the top of the chain here, at the top of the pyramid, we have cam models um, because they're behind a screen, there's no contact, they're getting the money, there is a barrier there. Then there's strippers, um, which is kind of after that, where it's like little to no contact, at least where I dance, there is a no con it's a no contact club. Um, there's also dominatrices, and you have sugar babies, that goes down the list, full service sex workers, and street walkers or survival-based sex workers that's based outdoors. So that's just an example of what it might look like, and which it's really dangerous too, because honestly, at the end of the day, we're we're all doing sex work. We're all engaging in this type of work. It's a lot of emotional labor. It can be very physical, um, but we are all in this together. However, um, within our community, it can be uh, quite dangerous too when people are constantly fighting at each other or thinking that they're better than um, another another sex worker because they engage in full service work. And I've heard these comments before. They're They're it doesn't help anyone at the end of the day. Um, so those kind of comments can be quite dangerous. But again, um, it's not all sunshine and rainbows on this side of the fence either. So I just want to be, um, again, as transparent as possible on that. 
I'm going to move this thing over here. Um, so some injustices, uh, intersectionalities. Um, as mentioned, sex workers are a marginalized group of people. And of course, within this group, there are different intersectionalities, uh, which, you know, further marginalize and stigmatize folks. So again, uh, those who are part of the LGBTQIA, uh, Two-Spirit community, you know, as we might already know, there can be a higher risk of depression, uh, suicide amongst those folks. I mentioned disability earlier. There's a lot of disabled folks in our industry or neurodivergent people. Uh, of course, people of color. Uh, we also mentioned, uh, maybe I didn't mention earlier, but foreign migrant or immigrant folks that engage in this type of work as well. Um, but oftentimes uh, there isn't a lot of support for these people. So um, especially when you are engaging this kind of work, it's just like another layer, another layer um, of marginalization and also stigmatization as well. So just thinking about that, um, the work is, is already very, very stigmatized. And when you add more layers to this, it can be quite an isolating place to be. And I haven't really talked about too much about isolation in these classes when it comes to sex work, but it can be quite isolating. As I mentioned for reasons earlier, if you're, you are in this alone or if you're doing this for survival work and you don't have anyone to talk to, it can be very detrimental and, and very lonely at times. I remember when I was a sugar baby many years ago, um, that was very much on the hush-hush, um, although I did have a blog about it now, which is not online anymore, but um, I didn't really have anyone to talk to, and I remember just trying to find people. There was like some hashtags that I found on, uh, on Instagram, and that kind of helped me create community in some way, but at the same time, it was like we were all kind of like anonymous, too at that time as well so it's, it's really it can be really hard to to be in this industry especially if you are already working alone or working solo or kind of trying to navigate on your own by yourself so uh just wanted to throw that out there too and then of course if you add these layers it can be even more isolating so just want to throw this out there not to mention also we are also subject to racism. I've definitely experienced racism uh, working at the club that clubs that I work at. That's been a thing. Um, all the type of isms that you can think of um, also go kind of hand in hand with this, unfortunately. Oh, whoops. Here we go. Uh, labor issues. So, yeah, this is an interesting topic for myself. Um, as mentioned before, sex workers can be subjected to exploitation, unfair treatment, uh, violent situations, and I've kind of just provided a few different examples that are in here as well. So, for example, I know unionizing, there's a big movement for unionizing right now, especially in strip clubs. I know that there was a strip club in California that just... Um, unionized for the first time which is super exciting and a huge win in my opinion but um sex workers are actually we're viewed as independent contractors here so we're, we're not employees of say a club or um an escort agency or anything like that we are responsible for our own taxes to to do that um but oftentimes for example 
uh, like strip clubs, for example, where I work, like they are trying to dictate when we can get to the club. Um, for example, I have to show up at the club at 745. Um, later in the week, I can I, I can I can be there no later than 830, even if my shows aren't going till like I'm not going to be on stage till like 955 today. And I'm like, well, why do I have to be there at 8.30? There's kind of no reason for me to be there. But what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to get out here is um, sometimes employers will try to enact, um, uh, I guess rules maybe is maybe a word I want to try to use, rules that are usually reserved for employees. But because we are independent contractors, you can't really enact those rules, um, especially if, again, this also goes to work that's outside of sex work as well. So uh, for myself as an independent contractor in marketing, as a marketing consultant, um, my clients can't tell me like, okay, I have to be at work from this time to this time. I am a freelancer because I want to be able to choose my hours and work at my own leisure. So it kind of goes the same way as well. There is a parallel in there. But again, there's a lot of instances or there can be a lot of instances where employers are trying to treat us as employees, but not give us the benefits that employees would have. So um, your health benefits, um, paid vacation time, paid sick leave paid time off we don't have any of that kind of stuff um unless you are an employee so so they're just kind of the some of the areas at least with the strip club example that we sometimes go through um again another example just drawing on my own personal experience as well unfair and unregulated pay cuts is another thing too um i know i've seen some pay cuts that where clubs will take off things for for drinks and stuff even though I don't even drink at work like stuff like that and you just really have to like go down your paycheck to be like what is this what is this what is this and question them because again um and we and sometimes we feel like I feel personally back in the corner sometimes where I'm just like why am I even here I I have not participated or engaged in any of this stuff yet you're taking things off my paycheck when that money is like I'm entitled to that kind of that that money so that's been frustrating um as I mentioned earlier there's been racism uh physical some sexual abuse from clients I'm in a no-touch club some people can try to be very handsy even though there are cameras in those rooms and the bouncers aren't fast enough to get them that people will try to kind of try stuff which is very frustrating and can be really exhausting especially at the end of the night or the end of the week it's just like okay the week is done it's it, it can be very very tiresome um another big one is censorship on social media platforms um <laughs> facebook uh instagram tiktok don't like sex workers uh they basically i would I, I would even go as far as maybe they saying that they don't even like women because there's a lot of censorship in terms of like you can't show a nipple you like a Ter- like types of bodies if there's too much skin um you will get flagged um sometimes your account will be suspended i've had a lot of friends where their accounts are just swept under the rug and completely deleted and they have to start a new account that's why you'll see like backup accounts in case your account ever gets lost 
stuff like that. So that is really, really frustrating um, when I'm talking about porn and even myself uh, online on OnlyFans or camming. Uh, there's instances of stolen content. Like basically it's an expectation if you're going to be online, your stuff is going to be stolen at one point and be put on some kind of tube site where you're not getting the money from that. Um, and someone else is going to be impersonating you or trying to um, profit off your videos that you've taken, but you won't see a penny of that. And then trying to get that stuff down um, with like DMCA violations, like that's another headache and also a process and very frustrating. Um, another thing, bank accounts, like getting suspended or shut down. Um, a lot of big payment processors um, like PayPal, MasterCard, Visa, uh, <laughs> a lot of these big financial institutions also don't like sex work or the getting the profits from sex work so for example with paypal and i i still use paypal because i i am a freelancer and use that for my business but sometimes i'll get tips on paypal and i'm just like do not put anything in the notes uh, related to sex work because that is a red flag for uh say paypal to shut down my account or note that a suspicious activity oftentimes when your account is suspended or taken down you don't have the opportunity to take those funds out so be able to try to say get your money out as soon as you get paid um just because you don't want to risk losing that um so again like uh, some things you can do um because safety is a big thing with sex work, especially for engaging with stuff online, um, stuff in person. Basically, you want to be able to have your back covered. So um, some people do this by practicing anonymity. Um, I am a face out worker. I'm also using my real name, which is, again, coming with a degree of privilege. But a lot of people will use an alias. Um, they'll have a stage name uh, that will differentiate their personal life from their performer life. Um, if you can conduct a background check, if you're doing some in-person work and you have the ability to do some background checks, that's also a good safety precaution you can take. Um, I know that there are like a number of blacklists that go um, that I'm also a uh, part of and have access to so we can continue to keep our community safe from predators, um, from problematic clients, from those who didn't pay, uh, for those who, you know, misconduct basically to protect us from that and also setting boundaries for yourself. I remember when I was a sugar baby, I didn't really have boundaries. I was just like, um, really really fascinated by making money and sometimes the money would be very very tempting and for an extra few hundred dollars more can you do this and oftentimes I would I said yes because I was like okay this is really fast money for me but also at what cost um there's things I don't do anymore because they have been traumatizing to me in the past so setting boundaries for myself I have very firm boundaries nowadays which is awesome but I wouldn't have gone there without experience so these are just a few things um that we are subjected to or can be subjected to as sex workers um which really wouldn't fly in a lot of corporate environments I find um because I've also worked a fair amount of years in corporate as well and this would be a big HR issue so but um because of our the nature of our work as independent contractors we don't have HR so just want to kind of, again, provide some real perspective here as well because it's not all about making the money. Oops. Um, yeah, so we I know we talked um, 
at least talk to you maybe a little bit about this maybe last week or this week but oftentimes sex work is conflated with human trafficking and I'm not sure who started that. Unfortunately, it comes from a lot of religious groups, a lot of conservative groups as well that really want to protect the children um, and also protect um, traffic victims, which are, you know, a big concern. But oftentimes sex work does get confused. Consenting adult sex work is not the same as people being forced in into this work. Uh, we're, we're not exploited persons. For sure, there might be some instances where that happens, but then I wouldn't even consider that a sex work at that point. So I, I know in the States, uh, there is FOSTA-SESTA um, enacted back in 2018, um, and that has been problematic. Really pulled out um, personal ads, Backpage, Craigslist, Reddit, all the places you can advertise before, but how does this affect sex workers? I mean, it really does affect sex workers in terms of like you're taking away people's place for um, advertisement. Um, you're, you're taking people, you're taking away the ability to filter through your clients and also like really pushing more people down underground. Um, and those safety precautions that we were mentioning earlier kind of go out the window with stuff like this. Um, in Canada, we have something similar to this called Bill C-36, which is also problematic um, and also goes hand in hand with the Nordic model that we have up in Canada too, which is trying to force like an end demand, um, trying to eradicate sex work completely, which with a lot of research, we know that this is just not working at all. And in a similar fashion, pushes the work underground and takes away people's ability to filter and, and conduct business safely so it really restricts where um people can advertise where they can conduct their business very very similar there and both very similarly problematic uh so again just wanted to say again consensual sex work is not human trafficking it is not they're completely two different things um and of course uh just quickly going into this i was like oh we're almost out of time here um decriminalization versus legalization for this nordic model um i think you talked about this today alicia i think that's what you mentioned which is awesome so this will just be a little bit of a refresher but i always like to ask the question in terms of like what do sex workers want and most of the time and because i can't speak for everyone but the majority is that we want full decriminalization so it removes the criminal provisions against sex work. So again, viewing sex work as a legitimized profession, it would be recognized. Um, there wouldn't, hopefully wouldn't be um, all the negative things that, that we experienced, as I mentioned a couple slides earlier. Um, we also have legalization, which is also really interesting. Um, I know the state of Nevada has that. Um, so that is still gonna be regulated um, not the same thing as decriminalization at all, uh, can kind of dictate where sex work might happen, um, how it happens, how it takes place, who can be involved, but that seems to be a viable option for some folks. I did do an episode, um, with Miss Alice Little, who is an amazing advocate, um, actually, actually an advocate for decrim, but because she lives in Nevada, legalization works for her. And 
is a fascinating episode. Definitely listen to it. Also, listen to the episode next week <laughs> that's coming out. Um, or actually, it'll be, yeah, it'll be next week. Um, but yeah, and then I kind of briefly went over the Nordic model as well, which is trying to eradicate sex work. But as you know, I don't know, sex work has been around for like since the beginning of time. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's just it's just not. And I think people need to uh, embrace it. But this is a model found in Canada. You could find them in a lot of the Scandinavian countries like Norway, Denmark, stuff like that. Um, and I also hear that some states are trying to push for Nordic models. Well, um, I know that the state of Vermont is really pushing for decriminalization, which is huge um also will be i have recorded an episode of that with misha montana which is also fascinating to hear what's coming out of that tiny state um but sounds pretty progressive and sounds like people are in line with that so that um is really exciting news and hopefully other states will follow suit with that um, i know that we all run out of time for questions so i want to leave a bit of extra padding room for questions and i'm seeing the chat kind of blowing up here but I guess I will open the floor here and maybe I'll scroll up to see where I had left off. Lots of great comments in here. Thank you so much. I hope you found this talk to be interesting. I will stop sharing. Um, <laughs> but maybe, yeah, maybe it's time for us to go into um, some questions here. I'll try to just go in order as well. Um, from Desmond, do you think sex work will become safer now that things like OnlyFans exist? Um, I think safety um, is a separate topic um, from from OnlyFans. I think OnlyFans, because that's kind of like a household name, I think now that it's becoming more mainstream, I'm hoping that it's going to be more well-received. Um, I don't think with OnlyFans being out there, that would like increase safety or improve safety but it does definitely bring things to the forefront which i'm enjoying and people are like hey that's really cool that you do only fans on the side it's a val it's like a really again viable form of income that we can come but i think there has to be more things um uh put in place to improve safety but i think that really does come from decriminalization thank you for the question um, some great comments on here. Mm-hmm. Thank you so so many great comments. Yes. Yes, extremely laborious. Yeah. Can you give an example of the gender-based violence website? So that used to be called like revenge porn websites. So I, I know a lot of people would know what revenge porn means, but um the politically correct term that I'm hearing uh, for my community is now gender-based violence. Um, I don't want to give any names. I actually don't really know any at the top of my head anymore. I really try not to kind of go to those websites, um, but they do unfortunately exist. I remember there was a Netflix documentary in one of those big ones um, that I watched with that hunter guy. I can't remember the name of it, but I'm sure if you Google revenge porn, something will come up. Um, but I also choose not to consume that kind of content because it's very damaging and very traumatizing and again that's people's content that they did not want that to be put out there it shouldn't be public information it's meant to be private so yes um good question though um i wish you were able to talk to the speaker from my class yesterday as it would have been very interesting a retired police officer who worked in human trafficking Ooh, very cool uh the industry myself asked real okay point of making it hard to prove child trafficking 
so she's against the idea. What are your thoughts on the idea that sex work contributes to human trafficking? Also, she stated that nobody does sex work willingly without fulfilling a need. Oh, wow. I, I would have loved to be in that class. I, <laughs> I really would have loved to be in that class. And outside the obvious argument of that being any type of work that humans do, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, great question. Um, I would like to ask her how sex work contributes to human trafficking. Because <laughs> human trafficking, again, is a different thing. That is taking people, well, taking people, non-consenting people and exploiting people to do various types of work. And that's not only sexual. There is uh, different uh, categories under human trafficking. I know labor, like forced labor is one of them. There's uh, sex trafficking is another one of them. And that can look very different for for a lot of people. There's so many different definitions for that. Um, so I would definitely say that it doesn't. Again, that's going with the notion that sex work um, is the same thing as being like people forced into it. Um, but a lot of us, again, are consenting adults that are choosing to do this line of work. So for me, it's a very big difference. So the option of choice versus being forced into it, very, very different, does not mean the same thing. Um, nobody does sex work willingly without fulfilling a need. Yes, but I mean, we all have the need to work. We all have the need to make money. I want to live my life in a certain way, which sex work enables me to do so without having to work 80 hours a week, which I have definitely done that before in the past. Um, so for me, um, if she, this person needs to go on Twitter and talk to talk with the many people in our community that are willing um, to, that they're very willing um, and consenting to do this type of work. Um, what are your thoughts on outside the obvious argument of being um, any type of work humans do? What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I really do think it's just a choice of, of work that people want to do. Again, there are situations where people may not have a choice, but this is the most accessible line of work for them. So for me, again, coming from my own experience, this is this is definitely um, a, a great form of work uh, that has really changed my life and has enabled me to do a lot of things that I wouldn't be able to do if I was working a nine to five and then a serving job at nighttime, which was my life um, before 2019. So, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's very tiring and not sustainable in my opinion. So, but also that being said, my work as uh, a dancer is not going to be sustainable um, for myself because I personally like want to start a family in a couple of years. I personally do not. I don't think I'll be going back to the club after I start a family. So time is ticking for me. <laughs> but that's why I've been kind of branching off and trying to expand my my audience and my fan base because I'm really trying to move this work online because that is something I can do at home and from the comfort of my own home. Um, Lots of great comments. It's such a great class. So many engaging questions here. Um, how do you maintain boundaries and how many hours do you work a week? Hannah, that is a great question. <laughs> are you talking about only sex work? Or are you talking about all the gigs that I do? <laughs> I have a lot of gigs. Um, maintaining boundaries. Yeah, that was um, something I told you um, that I did not really have when I first started and unfortunately I had to learn the hard way doing things putting myself in situations where I you know I probably should have said no 
Um, so unfortunately, I have learned from situations such as those and, and things that make me uncomfortable. Um, for example, like race play. I am not wanting to give into that. Um, as an Asian woman, there's a lot of fetishization that goes along with that. I get a lot, a lot of requests to, to, to role play with that kind of stuff. And I'm just, I don't really want to give into that because for myself, that kind of feeds into negative stereotypes and, and racism and stuff. And I just don't want to feed into that. Um, so dealing with clients, um, I just say no, um, and maybe block them after <laughs> blocking is a really healthy boundary for me. Cause I just don't have the capacity to deal with folks that don't understand what no means. Um, and some people can be very, very persistent. So myself, yeah, no blocking is a good thing and just kind of not engaging with folks like that that really try to push the boundaries if it's in person um if i'm dancing at the club i'm glad that the bouncers are really really good <laughs> at the clubs that i work at so that's been really helpful as well so those are just a few examples um and how many hours do i work a week oh gosh as a person that works mostly for herself my day typically starts at 5 a.m um when I'm doing vanilla work, like non-sex work, I try to end my day at five. Um, and I might be doing some sex work in between or afterwards, like camming or dancing at the club. For example, this week is crazy, but today I had a the lovely morning off because I get to speak with you all. <laughs> but typically it's like five to 11 at my hotel, uh, 6 a.m. to 11 at my hotel job. I come home, I have lunch. Then I start working on all my marketing stuff until like, you know, one to five. Um, for today, I'm going to take a nap after I have some meetings. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap because I'm working till two o'clock in the morning tonight and I have to get up at 5 a.m. tomorrow. So, but luckily I, I only death the club one week per month. If not, it can go up to, up to three weeks, but that's really tiresome on my body. So um, I just take the bookings that um, I feel is good for me. And that's, yeah. How many hours is that? Um, I don't know because I can't math right now. But uh, <laughs> you can do the math. <laughs> um, I want to be a sex therapist after school. Yes. This is why you're taking this class. Do you think sex workers need a different kind of therapy to impact and to impact how society makes them feel after their job or at, about their job? Yes, definitely. Yes. And I didn't even get to talk about this. Self-care is so important, um, especially when I'm doing like a lot of talking um, <laughs> or like a lot of emotional labor, too, because sometimes there's a lot of like um dumping that clients do um sometimes they think that we are the therapist and i'm like no 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 uh, you need to seek a professional therapist but i can help you other things um but yes definitely i for sure there needs to be more sex worker friendly therapists out there um an organization called pineapple support is a great organization that does therapy on a sliding scale for sex workers um but yes there does definitely need to be in my opinion some mandatory sensitivity training that comes along with this kind of work because as i mentioned with all the different intersectionalities um and because we're such a marginalized group that is highly highly stigmatized there needs to be proper training to be done so you taking classes like this you're in the right direction but yes, the answer to the question is definitely yes. Sex work is viewed as a woman's job. 
so it's disrespect it's similar to teachers and social workers yes that is a very big parallel have you ever done sex work for the purpose of helping people with sexual or relationship trauma for sure yeah again that that comes with a lot of like the more like platonic um, arrangements that I've had before. I have a client currently that just likes to call and talk with me for like hours and just um, get basically pay me to talk to him about his work day and the things that are going on in his life. Um, for so for myself, I really do feel that it is helping people. And um, again, when we're not therapists either, but I think there really is a maybe a cathartic feeling for clients. Um, uh, relationship trauma, potentially, yes. Um, like when I was a sugar baby, a lot of married men would come see me because there are things going on with their relationships or in, in their marriage or they're not connecting in some way. So in that aspect, I do feel it is helpful. And I feel like a lot of sex workers would also share the same um, sentiment. What do you think about the rippling effect on the stigma and censoring spreading on the internet? For instance, Tumblr. Oh my God, who remembers Tumblr? Tumblr eliminating all mature content and harming so many marginalized groups in their attempt at harming sex workers. Ugh, it's so exhausting. It's so frustrating. Again, like knock on wood. I don't have any wood near me, but I have never had my accounts. Well, at once I had my Instagram suspended once. Um, but I've had so many friends that have gotten their accounts completely wiped out and then having to rebuild that time and time again, four, five, six times is completely exhausting. Um, and I feel for them. And I think it's really ridiculous, especially with Tumblr. Like, I just feel like it was kind of like Tumblr did a move where I feel like that platform was definitely built on the backs of sex workers kind of like what OnlyFans tried to do a couple years ago too and trying to be like we're getting rid of all the mature content and I'm just like but your entire platform is is like a majority of it is sex workers so what are you doing so I feel it's really backwards um I think it's very very frustrating to and also very traumatizing to kind of go through that time and time again which is annoying um people will consume sex work we have five minutes left people will consume sex work content and then turn around in public and be against sex work yes do you ever worry about the permanency of the internet and how it's not very possible to delete intimate pictures and videos later yes yes but that's why i really try to preface this type of work in terms of know what you're getting into internet is forever um there there are ways that you can try to get rid of content but again once you're on those tube sites there's just so many little branches that come off from that as well so that can be very hard to eliminate completely but there are services you can use to try to eliminate that but for myself personally again this was a question I had asked myself like am I okay being on the internet am I okay having my content up there and you know my future kids potentially seeing that and that is something you definitely have to ask yourself I've already asked myself that question I'm definitely okay with it um but if you're not okay with it Maybe you do something anonymous, blur out your face. There's things you can do if you have any identifying tattoos or markers or you have an open window that's kind of showing a prominent um, place outside. Maybe you want to kind of reconsider those things and take that into account before you go online. Be really, really safe about that kind of stuff. 
Um, thank you for sharing stuff. I see how much admin work. Yes, there's a lot of admin work that is done and no one realize, realizes it. Um, I wonder, considering the barriers you face with getting paid without being flagged, is there any protocols you have in place to protect your finances and your future? Yeah, so as I mentioned, I tried to withdraw money immediately and get that into the bank account right away just in the event that things might go the other way or my account might get flagged at any point. Um, I also use uh, another payment processor like Cosmo Pay, which is a sex worker friendly payment processor, um, which is helpful for me and also very fast and efficient, which has been good. Um, we don't have things like Venmo or Cash App here in Canada. Well, sad, sad face. <laughs> we don't have anything like that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, trying to dictate to my clients again being very specific about like do not put these certain words in the notes session like the notes area and paypal and stuff like that um just to protect your account and so there won't be any red flags going on um yes and also um in terms of protecting my finances yeah i think i, I hope that's answered your question <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to get through all of these before we have three minutes. Have you seen examples of intersectionality with fat phobia and sex work? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I, just listen to the episode I have out this week with Sydney Screams. That's the most recent one I've done. Um, definitely fat phobia for sure. Even within the categories of BBW, there's still um, whore phobia within that. And, and some people saying like, you're not a BBW. You're not this certain size. Oh, your stomach's flat. So you're not... You can't be considered under this category, but there's so many different niche categories within, sorry, like with within like BBW or like plus size models and stuff like that. But yes, lots of that, and there's so many great models that you know are plus size and and do very 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 well in this industry. Um, yeah, these comments are so so great. I find it interesting how you stated that one of the reasons you enjoyed sex work was because you made more money in less time. And it seems that you filled this time that you save with more work. <laughs> That's also true. Do you feel that the money driver tends to keep you from spending time for things that you might enjoy outside of work? Well, again, a great question. It might seem that way, but for me, these are this is doing a lot of things I would rather be doing. For example, I don't want to be serving um, at the hotel for a whole day or when I was in an office job doing nine to five when I can be doing a lot more things that I actually like to do and I'm already invested in. Um, I'm not passionate about serving. I'm not passionate about my job before as an office manager or sales coordinator. Those are not things that I'm interested in. I am interested in marketing. I love digital marketing. I love doing all types of sex work. I have a YouTube channel, podcast, all my creative outlets and being a creator is for me more rewarding. Um, so yes, it's, it's filled with more work, but it's all work that I want to do. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. Do you think there are people who get into sex work for the wrong reasons? Yes. Like maybe inadvertently acting out trauma or is that a myth? Yes and no, for sure. There's a lot of people that get into the wrong reasons. A lot of it being it, thinking that it is easy work. Um, also, maybe trying to prove someone wrong or something personal on that level. 
but definitely can be a myth as well, especially with the, the trauma statement that you said there too, for sure. Sorry, one more minute. Um, assuming anti-drag bills are affecting sex workers as well. That's not a question, but statement, yes. Uh, would you want to do sex work as its own job without the others if you could? Yes. Um, the only reason that I'm still in the hotel is because tips and also hotel discount. So it enables me to travel on the very cheap, which is very smart for me. Um, I actually still love doing marketing, so I don't think that I want to do so fully, um, do sex work uh, at a full-time capacity. I think I would maybe one day, but I still, for me, I think it's still really important to have these important um transferable skills in case I ever want to stop sex work in the future so yeah but if I had more time in a day if I had 40 hours in a day yes <laughs> but yeah we are now at 12:55. I just want to thank everyone for having me on the show on the show on in your class again uh, to speak with you and I hope you all had um, a, a good time listening to everything and you've learned something and I'm sorry there's more questions here but feel free to add me on Twitter or Instagram um, this is my Instagram this is my Instagram and Twitter if you ever want to ask more questions that way I'd be happy to answer your questions there thank you so much for having me and Alicia thank you again thank for having you, me on the show. thank you have a great lunch break everyone Thank you. Invaluable information for us. We really appreciate it. Thanks again. Bye, everyone. All right. You're listening to Stripped by Sia, hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia, music by Ted D., Graphic design by Maria Bellandorama and photography by Ian Dabrin. Are you a sex worker looking to build a new website or a website redesign? Then you'll want to consider Fox Digital. They did a fantastic job designing my website, Stripped by Sia. If you want your website done, mention that you're a listener of the show at foxdigital.design for 20% off. Tell them I sent ya.